Testing, testing, one, two, three, testing, testing. Hey out there everybody and welcome to Caffeination 544. This is the space adventure version of the Caffeination podcast. Why? Because we have an overflowing abundance of space type stories to share with you. Some close, some not so very far away. So uh, hopefully you are having an absolutely phenomenal day, night, weekend, whenever you decide to stick this podcast in your ear. If you are looking for this or any of its other brethren, you can find them lovingly nestled over at www.caffination.com. That's caffeination.com. Being that this is the Caffeination Podcast, we figured it was a good place to stick all of its friends. All right, this is the 544th edition. Now, we did take a little bit of a layoff there, so you're going to notice about six years in between two of the specific episodes, one uh, around 535 and 536. But up until then, we have been going for about six years, seven months strong, and now uh, this is almost around two months <laughs> that we've been uh, keeping this up. So it's kind of fun to, to get back in the saddle, as the uh, case may be. Hopefully you're enjoying the... Uh, same way that we uh, have always done did. All right. Uh, we have, as per usual, we have the Geekcraft section, the food and caffeinated bits, and then the final thought to head you out on the door, on your way. Um, if you are looking to help support the show, then you can click on any of the uh, Amazon links that you find over there and uh, help us by doing your normal shopping on Amazon, uh, and uh, you'll help us through the affiliate link program. Uh, if you are looking for a design that fits your needs, then you can head on over to PuzzlePiecePro.com because this podcast is sp- sponsored in part by that. They give you a new website or logo. They help you create something beautiful by working with you to get what you need done. Uh, that is my company, so uh, <laughs> I, I should write better commercials for it. Uh, but it's not my job to write commercials. It's my job to make beautiful things. So head on over there and check out some of the stuff that we've done did. All right, so first up, uh, we're going to uh, let you know that you can uh, dial into the listener line at 215-240-1319. That's 1319 in case you uh, missed what I just said. But uh, if you are looking to send in comments, feedback, suggestion, hate mail, whatever else you'd like to send in a general direction, please feel free to do so at caffeination at gmail.com or paul at caffeination.com. When Steve's around, he comes on and you can reach him directly at steve at caffeination.com. All right, so we're going to dive on into the uh, geek life section here. I got to tell you, a large portion of my life right now is taken up by design geeking. So my job right now is to do, you know, design for Temple University, and I have a, a lovely job. I love doing that. But the funny thing is that usually, you know, you'll end up in this rut where you start designing something and then, like, the way that I name something is I do the file name, whatever the project name is, V1. R1. So it's version 1, revision 1. And then it goes up with the revisions, and then if we go on to a second version, because somebody didn't like the first version, that then we go V2. So I have a whole bunch of other uh, of uh, sort, stored files, and this way I can keep each version and each iteration separate uh, as I'm handing them to people. So it's very, very 
common for me to have multiple vision or multiple revisions and multiple versions of these files just like laying about. And then eventually I never name things final because that's the kiss of death. So as soon as you name something final, then it's final V2 and final V3 and then you move on and on and on. So what we've actually done is... Uh, you know, we have this network storage that all of our stuff is there. And a lot, large part of my time is actually managing where things go in the network storage. So today I had what is, for designers, probably one of the rarest of rare occasions. I submitted a first draft to someone, and they liked it. That was it. That's the end of the story. It was V1, R1, final. <laughs> it's already to the printer. I don't know how I don't know if I can uh, directly express how happy this makes me, but this just doesn't happen. I know that this is probably payback for some of the times that I've had, you know, V5 revision 24. Yes, that's happened. Um, or V1 revision 28 and things like that. But uh, I, I know that it's going to it's going to come back around and bite me <laughs> in in the not too distant future. But uh, yeah, just I'm I'm a, I'm enjoying the win. If, if you understand what I'm saying. All right, and what we're currently doing, Geeky, this week is I'm finishing up Hellboy Omnibus Volume 2 Strange Places. I have the Amazon affiliate link in case you're uh, curious about che checking that out. Uh, my favorite comic book artist, uh, Mike Mignola, is uh, putting together a omnibus selection of all of the Hellboy comics in chronological order. Um, that is in Hellboy's chronological order. So uh, Hellboy first appeared in our world in 1944. And then a whole bunch of these different stories uh, have been published over the years. Uh, 1944 is when he first appeared in the comics. However, in, I think 1994 is when he first appeared uh, in the actual real world. The world that everybody else lives in, not just me. But, uh, you know, uh, so it, it's kind of funny to see these things all in the correct chronological order. For, for once and uh, because I don't want to uh, spend hundreds of dollars trying to collect all the old back issues it's really really nice uh, to have everything kind of condensed down into a couple different volumes so at the end of this there's going to be four omnibus, vo omnibus volumes and two volumes of short stories I have the first three omnibus v uh, volumes. I am looking forward to getting the short stories one and short stories two. And uh, the omnibus four is not out yet. But I'm just now finishing up reading the omnibus two. So I am, uh, I, I am lovingly plowing my way through Hellboy's entire chronology. And uh, so far, favorite line as per... Uh, a lot of the uh, things that you see shared online, if, if you happen to be looking around for these, is don't mess with me, lady. I've been drinking with skeletons. So it, it's this lovely sardonic wit that uh, just kind of permeates every <laughs> every aspect of it. And I guess I always kind of uh, gravitated towards a superhero who doesn't really look like he should be the savior. You know, he's he's nigh indestructible. He's but he's kind of weary about it. He's like, yes, I know you're going to beat me into a pulp and then I'm going to shoot you in the face. So it's, there's just something about the entire um, gothic aesthetic that the whole thing bleeds through that just really, really, you know, I, I love it. So uh, hopefully you can head on over there and check that out. All right. Now, the next thing that we got for you here is the top 100 sci-fi films of all time. Now, anytime you get a top 100 of anything, 
And this is from Business Insiders, so you know that they know what they're doing. But anytime you get a top 100 of anything, you're going to have a lot of arguments. Um, the number one is Metropolis. So the number two is Gravity. I've never seen Gravity, and I, I, I saw Metropolis, but it was neat for you know when it is. But it's not something that I've... Uh, I've actually done, you know, I've actually gone back and rewatched multiple, multiple times. So it's one of those things that uh, y- you look at the list in its entirety, and I would say probably around two thirds of the films that are on there, uh, I agree with sort of their placement. But there's some of the ones that are on there that I'm like, I've never heard of this. I'm not sure if I should watch it or if it's just something somebody put there to to prove a point and be artsy. So uh, the 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 main point that somebody puts together a top 10, top 100 list of anything is they want to put at least one or two things on there that irritate people so that you will be forced to comment, so that you'll do what I'm doing right now and you'll provide commentary so that other people can argue and disagree with what you think. How dare you think Metropolis isn't <laughs> printed on there? I didn't see uh, Las Lunas either. I didn't see the uh, the original sci-fi film in there. So, I mean, if we're really going back to the early days of cinema, I mean, you got to, you know, give give all these people their due. So, <laughs> um, and we talked about that a couple episodes ago. But, you know, I just wanted to share it with the group, see what everybody else thought. All right, moving right along. The Star Wars... Uh, <laughs> This is from over at uh, SevenGadgets.com, Star Wars Jewelry Cufflink Set. You heard it here correctly, but this is a, a uh, money money clip and cufflink set that are, all three have the uh, the Millennium Falcon on it. So it has the Rebel Alliance symbol and the uh, Millennium Falcon in the money clip, and then each cufflink is a Millennium Falcon. To me, this would be a perfect set if you could have the Rebel Alliance on one and the Empire on the other. And I gotta say, one of the funny things about Star Wars is I love the movies in general. And you know, we we could get into you know hours of discussion about which movie was was everybody's favorite and whether or not you think the prequels were worth anything. And most people will agree that they weren't for the most part. But to me, the the biggest failing of the Jedi is when you're telling somebody to uh, deny their own emotions and that, you know, true peace comes from your denial of emotions. And I always kind of trended towards the dark side after you're doing that, because I mean, when you're thinking about it, you know, what is life without passion? What is life without love? And uh, to me, that would be the <laughs> the Jedi way, would be to live your life without love and without passion, to, to, to do it as dispassionately as possible. And uh, while that might seem very zen and very cool, to, to, I'm not saying that I need to be hateful, but uh, you know, the Sith just seem to have more fun. And I'd like to have the Rebel Alliance on one cufflink and the... Uh, Empire on the other, possibly a Death Star uh, money clip, because, I mean, to me, if you're going to bankroll something, are you going to do it in an old spaceship, or are you going to do it out of uh, one of the uh, planet-destroying, that's-no-moon kind of situation? I want my money clip to actually, you know, put the bang for the buck in there. You know, spend it in all the wrong places. Yes, I know, that was a bad joke. All right, next little thing that we got for you here is how can we have a solar probe survey the sun and not melt? Now, I wanted to share this with the group, but this is over at technobob.com. NASA's Parker Solar Probe is about to be launched is about to launch directly into or at the sun. And before it gets to its fiery demise, it's going to deploy a solar shield that is 
going to theoretically now, this is block the full force of millions of degrees from the circuitry. And uh, at the same point in time, this object is also going to become the fastest human-made object ever because it's going to accelerate rapidly as it gets sucked into the sun. So it's going to be fun to to see when this is actually going down. Um, So I'm sharing the link to uh, Technobob because they have embedded two very different um, videos. The one explains the whole thing, and then the other one actually shows you a uh, tiny section of the heat shield. Now, it's a carbon and carbon construction, so it looks to be about five to seven inches thick, has carbon nanotubes on one side, carbon nanotubes on the other side, and then carbon memory foam basically stuck in the middle and inflated with air, so it's really, really, really light. So the 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 cool thing about it is that the the one NASA engineer is actually using a blowtorch and heating it up to several hundred degrees and then she has one of her coworkers come over and place their hand on the back end and to show you that it's not hot at all. So <laughs> I wanted to share that with the group so you could head on over there and check out some of that awesomeness. All right, moving right along. From the high-tech to the low-tech over, again, at 7gadgets.com. Now, I've seen a couple versions of this, and this is the one that you can actually buy on your own. But this is called the Lazy Neck Cell Phone Holder. Uh, It's basically for when you're laying down or when you're walking around and you don't feel like actually holding your phone, the thing can hold it up for you. And if you check it out on Amazon, the thing runs you roughly $23. So it's not that big of an investment, but uh, still... Yeah, I just th- thought it would be kind of cool and share with the group. All right, now the next little thing that we have for you here is a NASA, NASA astronaut saw something organic slash alien-like in space. This is a little bit weird, but there's an astronaut by the name of Leland Melvin who said, and this is a quote directly from his tweet, it says, I have not seen uh, when UFO sightings daily asked him, said, hey, astral flow or astro flow, what is your outlook about the existence of intelligent alien life living in this, our solar system? Have you ever witnessed a UFO? Please share with us. Thanks. So then Leela Melvin says, I have not seen one in space or on the ground, but I thought I saw something organic slash alien like floating out of the payload bay. Astro comrade and I called the ground to ask what it could be. And they said it was ice that had broken off from the Freon hose, translucent, curved, organic looking. And then he puts an alien emoji. Then UFO Sightings Daily responds, hey, thanks for answering. Wow, I think ethics would say that your opinion of being organic is more reliable than the opinion of someone on ground control 400 miles away. Is it possible they lied to call it ice to calm you down and make you focus on the shuffle, on the shuttle? Uh, Leyland then replied, hmm, I don't think so, but you never know. Rocket emoji. Um, now, here's the funny thing. It, it, there's a lot of uh, back and forth about whether or not you would consider ice organic-like. And I don't know. It's definitely clickbait. It's definitely one of those things where you have it out there and you're like, oh, okay, so astronaut sees alien outside of a thing. And then they put uh, different clip art of uh, Ryan Reynolds from Life or stuff like that outside up there. And it's kind of fun to to see and play around with all that stuff. But what I really uh, would be curious about would be, okay, did you inspect it? What else was going on at this point in time? 
Um, do you, have you ever heard of anyone else without naming names? Have you ever heard of anyone else seeing anything similar to this? Or it would be interesting to see what uh, Astro Comrade did as well, or whether or not he thought it was a uh, piece of ice. So <laughs> I, I liked that. I think it's pretty funny. I think it's rather interesting because it's definitely clickbait. And, of course, I clicked on it, and I'm sharing it with the group now. But, uh, you know, it's something that he saw with his own two eyes. It's, and he's not trying to conflate it to be something else. So I just wanted to share it with everybody else. All right. Now, the next little thing that we have for you here is, uh, is a great article from newatlas.com. Uh, now they say, are we alone? Statistical analysis suggests that if we are typical, then the answer is probably yes. Now they go into a couple different ways and they're saying that basically, um, out of all the hundreds of thousands of stars we know, the chances of there being another civilization roughly... And, you know, okay, let me back that up for a little bit. Out of all the hundreds of thousands of other stars we know, we have our radio telescopes scouring the sky looking for other signals. And there are a couple different postulates. The one is that either anything out there is so ridiculously advanced that they would no longer be using the same type of signals that we're, be, that we're sending out, or that uh, civilizations get up to a certain point and then peter out or crap out, if depending on uh, how you want to look at it. And they basically destroy themselves before they're able to actually obtain interstellar flight. Whether or not that's even possible um, is still up for debate as well. So let's just say that in our relatively short lifespan, so 80 years, give or take um you know and then we've had you know a couple hundred generations that have been on this planet uh that are in any way shape or form humanoid or human and then you say okay so for the past 50 years we've been looking for signals in the sky that's a really tiny short window and then when you extrapolate even further and they say okay so our civilization if it were to crash let's just say 150 years from now it still would have only existed for less than a thousand years. If it crashes 500 years from now, that civilization would have lasted less than a thousand years. You would basically have to have another civilization similar to the technological advancement that we have right now for another 900 to a thousand years in and of itself before they would be able to make any kind of dent in searching the, the nighttime sky. And then when we go beyond that, if the civilization crashes, the overall amount of time that it took for humans to come from absolutely nothing on the planet, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, about three and a half million years ago, to being able to send people and th places and things up into space is, is you know, about... 3.5 million years. We have roughly 6 billion years before the sun explodes or 5 billion years before the sun explodes. And the, the people over at New Atlas extrapolated it out and they said, you know what the, the really interesting thing about this whole thing is? You have time for 23 different civilizations to appear, get to our level of technological advancement, and then disappear. Whether or not there's ever been any other one is hotly debated among uh, some of the more fringe elements, but it's something that's really interesting because there's no evidence that we've actually had something that sophisticated yet. So that means we're the first <laughs> on this planet, on this rock. So if you're looking at the grand scheme of things and the grand timeline of things, 
Uh, there's a lot of learning left to do, and it's going to be interesting to see whether or not we actually find anything. So they're saying statistically, it's very unlikely that we'll ever find anything else. But it also might be that we're looking in the wrong place. So I, I thought it was uh, kind of fun, thought everybody uh, would get a kick out of the article in general. I don't want to just read from the pages. I'm try- I try to summarize the best I can, and hopefully other people find it enjoyable. Uh, but the next little thing for you here is also from newatlas.com. Mu- uh, mysterious fossil footprints may have cast doubt on human evolution timeline. So they're saying that um, the out-of-Africa hypothesis, and I know we've talked a lot about archaeology recently. It just ha- so happens to be one of my ballywicks. But uh, the out-of-Africa hypothesis said that you know we would have uh, roughly... 1.2 million year old fossils of vertical walking uh, people or Homo erectus that would uh, be walking around inside Africa and then they would leave. Now, what they're saying is they found fossil evidence of two footed or uh, bipedal uh, humanoids walking around 3.5 million years ago and that um, it, it's kind of interesting. So it, it, it's they they think that it's uh, Artipithecus ramidus, so it might actually not be uh, directly fr- um, it might not be an erect, uh, a direct um, precedent to us, one of our ancestors, but it's one of the offshoots. But it's uh, it definitely pushes the out of Africa hypothesis back a little bit, and it's going to be interesting to see what some of the uh, science take on this is. So I just thought I'd share with the group. And then because we've uh, delved very into the sciencey side of things, I thought I'd keep it a little bit lighter, specifically lighter on our feeder. And uh, it's time for us to actually start taking care of the earth that we live on. So rather than using things that uh, you know pollute and uh, clog up the... Uh, <laughs> the planet, what else can we do? Well, we can start by uh, focusing on some of the means of production that we have and seeing if we can make them a little bit greener. And one of the ways that we can make them a little bit greener is starting by uh, on our feet. And Reebok is actually starting to grow their own sneakers. Yes, Re- Reebok's future team launches the MPC UK cotton sneakers. So the sneakers are in general woven from cotton. They have a leather label on them, and the bottom is made from a a hundred percent, or it's a hundred percent castor bean oil and corn. So, um, yeah, and it's made up of completely recycled packaging. The insoles, and all the top is a corn-based sole. Uh, I think the best part about this is the shoes don't actually look horrible they look very burlappy so i think if you get a little bit of natural dye in there you'd probably do a little bit better but uh they they definitely have a style all their own and depending on how much uh they actually cost i would probably buy a pair of them although i'd probably get them really really dirty and nasty in quite short order i'm not necessarily the uh the most careful with my things. But I do really applaud Reebok for actually looking in this direction and uh, see what they can do for the environment in general. And whether or not they can actually boost sales at the same time as they do it, well, you know, might not be that bad of a thing. All right, and then last but most certainly not least, we have the greatest scientific question of our time. Are you ready? Can you ever break a single strand of spaghetti in half? Now, apparently this question has been uh, postulated to physicists as to why you cannot break a strand of spaghetti directly in half. 
and they worked long and hard on this, and I'm not joking. They actually won the Ig Nobel Prize, which is given out to research that is done in fruition, and they finally found a way to do it. So I'm not going to give away too much, except that you need to twist and then snap it. And uh, apparently you'll be able to snap it directly in two. So if you take both ends, well, you know what? I am giving away the entirety of the secret. I'm saving you from reading an article, for Lord. <laughs> All right, so you grab the the uh, ends of the spaghetti strand in both hands, or in both uh, uh, thumb and forefinger. You rotate 360 degrees to put the stress on it, and then you bring the two uh, <laughs> circles of your fingers together, and it should snap directly in half. I have not tried it yet because as it was, we had rotini this week and to snap rotini in in half is a little harder to do. So, uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was funny that somebody actually spent time on that. So I wanted to share it with everybody else. Age old mystery indeed. All right. Now the next little thing that we got for you here as we move along to the food and caffeinated bits section here at the geek here at the caffeination podcast is all plant-based gluten-free snacks now the reason that they're saying plant-based is because there's cheese flavor in some of this stuff but there are cauliflower pretzels ca- uh, cauliflower crackers and they look like cheez-its and ritz and uh, snacks and all these other kinds of fun things and they are actually vitamin rich versions of snacks that everybody loves to to gnaw on now personally i don't care whether or not there's gluten in there i do know a lot of people who are gluten sensitive and the ability to have a pretzel is probably uh you know pretty high up there i haven't specifically said you know interviewed somebody and said so i know you have celiac disease and i know it's a very very uh, horrible thing to have to actually go out and really wonder what's actually going in your food all the time so do you miss pretzels that's not really a, uh, something that you that you conversate upon so uh, I'm interested to see if any of the people that I know actually will uh, try these or if they have. But the brand is called From the Ground Up, and they are cauliflower bla- cauliflower-based snacks. So uh, always wonderful and interesting to see. I personally hate cauliflower, but uh, my wife has gotten me to eat it once where it didn't taste horrible and foul. It had something to do with buffalo sauce and uh, uh, blue cheese. So uh, I'm pretty sure there has to be some other way to make it worthwhile. worthwhile rather. So if you want to make a morning person without having to use science, you need to wake them up with coffee. And over at Yanko Design, there are now makers of morning people. So basically it's a gentle way to, to slowly rouse you out of bed. There's a siphon coffee filter, a siphon coffee pour-over rather, that uh, has a reservoir of water that shoots the water into a beaker that is then heated through induction and stirred by magnetic uh, by a magnetic bar under the beaker, uh, rotating, and you wake up by the sound of the uh, by the sound rather of metal bearings that are inside the 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 container rolling around in there i don't know that that would necessarily actually have to wake me up you'd have to pour the hot coffee on me to wake me up or have a dog bite me that's what happens every other morning but uh after it gets up to a boiling the siphon then pours the water over the coffee that has already been ground and waiting overnight and then you have a lovely pour over that sits there there's also a ch- chilled container that has uh just enough serving for milk so it'd be uh, kind of fun and kind of cool now this is one of those things where i'm looking at it and i think that it has a really really interesting way uh, of 
keeping everything all together. So I, I wish it was actually a real product. I mean, I think it might just be in the uh, the initial stages right now. But I definitely love the way that it has like this really old school kind of alarm aesthetic to it. It, it has uh, like a, a late 60s, early 70s kind of vibe to it. And then it has a little bit of Mad Scientist thrown on top. So hats off to the designer, uh, the name of Joshua Renault, uh, Renouf, sorry. And uh, yeah, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal design. Good job, Josh. <laughs> All right, finally, there's a gummy that can jumpstart a dying star. Well, rather, it's a gummy that's a, called a mocha shot, high-energy gummies. So you've heard of the uh, the old gummy vitamins that everybody used to have in the 80s and 90s and before, where, you know, it's, you know, pop a Wilma and you're good. But uh, what the idea behind these things is, one gummy is equal to two shots of coffee, two shots of espresso. So if you're like me, Seattle Gummy Company is going to have to send you a whole boatload of these things to see if they actually work. But I love that they have the idea of actually having a chewable dark chocolate raspberry gummy to get your caffeine fix in. And you know what? If uh, I was going out running in the morning, I mean, who are we kidding? But if I was going out running, I would want to uh, chew on a gummy before I go for a run as opposed to actually... uh, do anything heavy like drink a whole big full glass of coffee or something like that so this is from over at foodbeast.com just thought i'd share with the group again over at caffeine informer caf uh cannonball coffee maximum charge yes there is now a cup of coffee a single cup of coffee that's 112 fluid ounce single cup of coffee that can get you 1101 milligrams of caffeine I have no idea how they do that. There is no sugar in this. It is just under a five-hour energy in terms of actual caffeine per fluid ounce. They say it has 330 milligrams of caffeine per two ounces. Or I'm sorry. uh, No, it's 310 milligrams of caffeine per 100 milliliters. So this is insane. I mean, it's it's more caffeine than anything. And uh, like almost all of the other really, really high concentrated uh, coffees that are out there, uh, for instance, like Biohazard and Death Wish and Black Insomnia and, you know, all these other uh, lovely uh, names similar to the hot sauce trend where it's, you know, you name it something scary and people know you mean business. But uh, much like that, they all seem to use Robusta coffee because Robusta is naturally darker or not naturally darker, but rather naturally stronger in caffeine, but more muted in flavor. There is one coffee in the top five, however, called Killer Coffee that I might actually have to head on over and try. It's Australia's deadliestly brew deadliest brew and somehow they get 645 milligrams of caffeine per 12 fluid ounces uh for arabica coffee so that means it probably tastes significantly better than all the other ones on the list so much like all the other things that i say when i'm sharing a list of things there's a current rundown of the high test coffee products again over at caffeine informer but these are the top 12 deadliest coffees now what they're calling is uh Basically, again, throwing a little bit of the fear factor in. It starts off at number uh, one, Cannonball Coffee. Then it goes Biohazard, Death Wish, Black Insomnia, Killer Coffee, Band Coffee, Shock Coffee, Bones Coffee, High Voltage, Atomic Coffee, Bomb Coffee, Perk Up Coffee, 
Double Tap Coffee, as in uh, Two Shots Through the Heart, and Red Goat Coffee. So it, it's kind of funny because out of all of them, Perk Up just seems to be the the naming misnomer. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, you know, Bomb Coffee, Atomic Coffee, Death Wish Coffee. Perk Up. It, 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 you know, a Perk Up. I don't know. I think their marketing co- uh, company needs to come back with another uh, slogan, maybe. You know, reintroduce it. You know, just just tweak it a little bit and, you know, make it like Immortal Soul Coffee. And, and they might sell a little bit more. All right. Now, the next little thing that we got for you here, Starbucks Protein Shakes. Sure. Why not? Uh, if you want something that's overly sugared and it has a lot of protein in it, but you can still stop at Starbucks, if you're a fan of the gym after workout <laughs> shakes, then you can head on over to Starbucks and get a protein cold brew that's entirely plant-based. Now, I'm saying this right now so that you can all be on the ground floor of this. This is a limited-time offer. They just launched it this week. I just got the email two days ago, and it's already re- there's reviews already popping up for it online. And they're basically uh, the uh, rumblings around this are that basically this is the last new product that they're going to launch before they kill everything off in time for uh, the pumpkin spice season. So it, it is coming. Beware, pumpkin spice is coming. So they have two that are completely dairy free. So I will be trying them, despite the fact that there's probably enough sugar to choke a cat in them. There's a Homer, uh, almond protein cold brew and then the cacao protein blended cold brew. So I'm not entirely sure which one I'm going to go for, but uh, I will throw a review up on the site as soon as I give it a shot. So if you are uh, someone like me and you're a little bit dairy sensitive, unfortunately, you can head on over there and check that out. That article is also from fam, uh, from uh, foodbeast.com. And then the second to last th- thing that we have here is a portable automatic espresso machine, the world's first portable espresso machine called a Nowpresso. Now, there used to be something called a MyPressy Twist, and I didn't, I reviewed it, but I, I thought that there was something wrong with their review model, and I actually wrote back and forth to the company a couple times, and I basically just agreed not to review it, because when I first used it, there was something wrong with the seal, and I got burned on my hand, and the the way that this company worked it was when they sent a review model out, they sent it to multiple different uh reviewers so it would go out to one person they would send it back repack it with stuff and then it would go back out so they didn't have the opportunity to send me a new one or to send me one that hadn't been played with too much so i already got it several sites down the line and i think that it had kind of been uh, munged up in transport a little bit and uh, they they apologized profusely asked me if i was going to write the article i said you know what i don't feel that i actually got a good feeling for the the uh, the device, so I don't want to do that. The way that that one worked was you put the coffee in the top, uh, you tamped it down like a normal espresso machine, and then you uh, poured boiling hot co- water into it, and then through a CO2 cartridge, it would actually shoot the pressure and pour it out the bottom. The problem was the O-ring inside of it w- uh, wore out or w- there was some kind of defect, and it shot the boiling water onto my hand. Didn't scald me or anything. It was just an unwelcome surprise, and I wasn't really happy for it. So now we are entering into the Nowpresso. The Nowpresso does not have a CO2 cartridge, so there's no uh, un- unfortunate problems with that. Uh, at least not that I can tell. <laughs> Everything on their site seems to be that it uses electric 
So there's even a USB Type-C so that you can connect to car chargers and all that other wonderful stuff. But, uh, yeah, so it either uses Nespresso Nespresso coffee capsules, Leor, uh, espresso aluminum capsules, or and seal pod reusable stainless steel capsules for your espresso grind. So it has all these things. It has a very limited selection of stuff that you're supposed to put into it, which all automatically right off the bat I'm, I'm definitely for. You can put either cold water into it or you can put hot water into it. It senses the temperature. You put coffee in one end, you flip it over, you pour the water into the other end, and then presto changeo, out the bottom comes a full cup of espresso. I love this idea for only $200 it's really really not that bad when you consider the fact that it you know (laughs) it's running on battery power uh it can have a full charge makes a hundred cups of coffee I mean this is just the kind of thing that you know actually does portable espresso the correct way this is the kind of thing you could take on a camping trip and be able to show off and say you know what it doesn't matter if we have the ability to to boil coffee right now because we're all going to have coffee Uh, there's no cowboy coffee on this trip so uh, it's one of those things where i really kind of love the idea of it i think the execution looks really good and it's it's just one of those things that I, I wish I had the opportunity to give it a shot, uh, not <laughs> yet to the point where I can just pick up a $200 machine just to give it a go, but uh, definitely uh, love the idea, love the design, and uh, you can head on over to nowpresso.com and check it out for yourself if that happens to be in your wheelhouse. Uh, and then the other secondary thing that I actually thought was cool, they also have another uh, device that they sell for $20, roughly, uh, that actually extracts the coffee out of the reusable coffee pods and then separates it into two things. So on the one hand, you have the compostable uh, bits of uh, coffee grounds, and then on the other hand, you have the recyclable um bits of plastic so the fact that they have that available kind of really you just (laughs) it sets it over the top for me i don't know about anybody else so all right uh moving right along to the uh last little thing that we got for you here all right final thought and we came in under 50 minutes today that that's that's Impressive. All right. Now, as somebody who is currently sitting in his garage attempting to make sure that there's no uh, reflective surfaces off which you're going to get a weird echo, 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 and we're not playing with too much uh, stereo, whoa, 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 whoa sound, uh, I'm always interested when people uh, start talking about the the quality of audio in different areas. And one of the most famous places for acoustics was actually Carnegie Hall. Up until the renovation in 1986, when the renovation actually destroyed what was one of the most sought-after acoustical examples in the, on the world. So uh, it was one of the most beautiful venues in the world that you could actually hear chamber music played. And uh, not chamber music, concert hall music. But uh, I, I don't know if they're the same thing. Oh, well, somebody will probably write in and correct me, but (laughs) all right. Um, So there's a great story over at Gizmodo.com that actually has around a six minute video that they actually think that the sound may have been caused by something that was under the feet of the artists. So I'm not going to ruin the surprise and I'm really not going to ruin it on this one as opposed to all the other surprises I naturally ruin. Uh, So you can head on over there and watch that. And that's the final thought for today. So if you are looking to, uh, (laughs) 
If you are looking to find this or any of its other episodic brethren, then you can find them lovingly nestled over at www.caffination.com. That is caffeination.com. I am twitter.com slash caffeination. We have a Facebook fan page. It's over at facebook.com slash pages slash the caffeination podcast. Uh, or you could just search for us and you'll find us. Um, if you'd like to send in something to the listener line, you can do so at 215-240-1319. I am Paul. Thank you for listening and stay caffeinated, people.